Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're so glad you took the time today to tune in and to join us. And our desire uh, every week is to help you understand the, the Lordship of Jesus Christ and how His Lordship, His authority, uh, His rule and reign in us impacts literally everything that we do. And, you know, we've been on a series that I've been really excited about it's called Our Tribe. Uh, and it's not just for our tribe at Living Stones. If you're if you're watching uh, and you happen to attend church somewhere else or you're in another part of the country, but we're really the the series is really about core values and how important it is to create an environment, yeah. uh, the right environment, not just uh, at church, uh, but at your workplace, uh, your home, uh, in the environment inside you and I. Uh, uh, because good culture uh, wins and bad culture wins. That culture wins, period. But we want to create good culture so that kingdom things are produced. And Amen. I've been really excited about this series, and we've been kind of passing the baton back and forth. And I passed the baton to you on Sunday, and we were talking about, uh, you were talking about the important value in Living Stones culture of an ongoing, increasing excellence. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bible says in Colossians 3.23, uh, whatever we do, we do it heartily with, you know, with all of our heart as unto the Lord, not uh, serving men, not with our focus, not being on humans, but our focus being on pleasing the Lord, doing it with excellence. So talk a little bit about that. You did, it was an amazing message. In fact, I want to encourage people, if you've not yet uh, listened or had a chance to listen to this series, you can you can access it on our Living Stones website, which is just lstones.org. Uh, the series is called Our Tribe, and I believe we're in week, that was week seven last week. Yep. Uh, and so seven weeks of amazing uh, teaching and principles about core values. But talk a little bit about what was on your heart as you approach this topic. There's a lot of ways we can go with it. but Yeah, excellence is definitely a, a topic that people talk about a lot, especially in the corporate world yep. and in business and in, leader, in leadership. But, you know, when I really dug into excellence in our context as a church, as a body of Christ, I, I realized that excellence, just like everything else we do, is out of a relationship. Yeah. God doesn't want us to do anything just out of performance or yeah. a desire to succeed. Because yeah. everyone does. And the world does that. And the world does that very well. And I thought that was a good point just for starters. You know, we t sometimes think of being excellent as having these... Uh, perfectionistic tendencies yeah. you know you, you you have to achieve this level or you get you know lambasted by your boss right. or whatever or your mom or your dad you know that perfectionism can kill people it really it really destroys culture when you have a perfectionistic attitude how does yeah. how does excellence as you talked about it in the context of relationship how, do, how is that different from you know the, the the letter of the law kind of excellence yeah i think it's a heart content your, your heart's different you know there is some gray area because we do want to call people up to yeah. higher standards and higher levels. Yeah. But we just don't, like I mentioned in my sermon, we just don't throw excellent at people. You know, I people done that. I've done it to other people. Just basically, they're not fulfilling. I just got a quick story to share. You know, when uh, I was going to share my sermon, I ran out of time. But, you know, one of the awakenings in my heart to how the world works was back when I was a missionary in Taiwan and I had a roommate. Uh, my buddy Joe and I were roommates. And... You know, we just have different personalities. And what I found is I kept going around cleaning up after him. He'll eat something, <laughs> just throw the wrapper to the side. And I keep saying, like, can you clean up, clean, clean up? One day it just dawned upon me, like, the reason he doesn't clean up is not because he's trying to irk me. He's right, trying to right. antagonize Push your me. your buttons or whatever. In his mind, that's simply not dirty. 
And he and I have just had complete different standards. And now you can, I can use, I can just call him names and say, you're not being excellent. Right. But the truth is he's wired fundamentally different from me. Now, does it mean that he needs to that grow that a character flaw of, you know, where he somehow is being lazy or whatever? No. Necessarily. I mean, it could, right. it could be, but that wasn't the situation. Well, it just dawned upon me, he saw the world differently from me. Yeah. And in the body of Christ, we're going to have so many people who just see the world fundamentally different from us. And and whereas I can accuse you of 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 not being excellent because you don't see the world the way I do, you can do the same thing for me. And next thing you know, we're just beating right. each other over the head with the word excellence. And that's not how right. things should function. Um, so so anyways, yeah. So, so you so you, yeah. you you brought it in the context, which I thought was so good, of the parable of the talents. Yeah. Because the parable of the talents takes the uh, comparison out. In yeah. other words, you, you don't base your excellence on each other because the Lord gives each of us, according to the grace that he has given us, he gives us a different degree of talent. You, right. you might be a five talent. I might be a one talent. Right. That has nothing to do with me or you. It has to do with the grace of God. So how, how does that you know understanding help to keep us focused on, uh, I guess, being the best that we can be personally. Well, so you got this kind of two different paradox. One is the paradox that uh, we're running a race. The other paradox is we shouldn't compare ourselves to other people. And it's like, how do you reconcile these two different things? And the way to reconcile is basically saying, we do have a race to run and we do have a competition, but the competition is only against ourselves. Yeah. So against the measure we've been given, when God's giving you five talent, three talent, one talent, 10 talent, whatever it is, with that measure, you need to measure yourself against. And now it forms a, a beautiful picture in which the one we're looking to please is not other people, but God. And it, but at the same time, does that mean we just slack off? No, we need to push ourselves even harder because our goal is to beat ourselves or, or compete yeah. against ourselves and not necessarily some somebody else. You yeah, know? That's so good. So good. In the context of uh, I, can, I can get off track when I'm focusing on you and I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I need to really focus on the Lord and on pleasing him yeah. uh, and keeping it uh, personal and not getting my eyes off on somebody else. Yeah. Uh, that's a bad thing to do. So how, how did you define excellence, I guess? Uh, which was a good understanding. Yeah, I define excellence with three different components. One is that we're continu- continually growing. So it's very much like the growth mindset. Perfectionism says you got to be perfect, done. Which uh, really inhibits growth because inhibits people growth. throw your hands up and just go, I'm yeah. never, never going to be perfect, Either so why try? I give up, I'm never going to be perfect, or I'm already perfect, so I don't need to grow anymore, right, which right. is not true. No one's ever perfect. Right. The second component of excellence is really a 100% commitment that, that, that you're invested. You're, giving your, you're, you're, you're doing your best. Yeah. So there is a, it, there's a push. There is a degree of like you can't be lazy if you want right. to be excellent. That's right. that. So I love right. it because God. I mean, this is the sovereign side of it and the human side of it. Yep. God, God's the one who gives the the talents. Right. We don't control that, but right. what we do control is what we do with them, and right. that's where personal effort and and Absolutely. putting forth your very best right. and, and maximizing and that growth mindset. Right. That's the human side of it that I think is so important. Yeah, and then the final component is stewardship. Yeah, you know and. I think people throw the word stewardship around. All they think about is money. Like right. I need to tithe and be a good steward. I mean, obviously that's true, but there's a whole other component of it. You know, and I think, you know, stewardship seems, sounds kind of boring, but really to me, stewardship is a very, very powerful uh, component of faithfulness and relational connection. You know, you, if, if my, if I, as a father steward, my son, my car, there's a deep trust and relationship. Oh yeah. Uh, that's, that's, and, and responsibility and, and loyalty that's expected in that in the situation. You know, I, I think less of even money, like you like when you uh, gave your daughter to pass Aaron in marriage, 
You're basically saying, hey, I'm transforming the stewardship of my precious daughter from my hand to your hand. There is some weight to that. (laughs) What a great illustration. Any fathers out there that have daughters that know exactly what I'm talking about, or you will know what I'm talking about. It is is a serious thing, that, that transference of authority at the altar. Yeah. When in our you know wedding ceremonies yeah. the the groom walks down and greets you know who gives this woman to this man in marriage yeah. and that father says you know her mother and I I mean that's a serious transference right there oh yeah, yeah it's no light thing so yeah so I'm wanting to know are you going to be able to handle what you've been given right. by the Lord are you going to steward the relationship that I with my daughter that right. you've been entrusted with. Right. It's the same thing with all of our life when we understand it properly. Well, I, and Pastor Aaron, when he looks at Lauren, your daughter, like, there should be a degree of like, wait, this is my interaction with you comes out of my loyalty to your dad, to my pastor. Yes. And and I think that's how we should think of stewardship, not just a money I need to tithe. But but whatever gift and talents we've given, back in our mind, there should be a couple of hairs standing up thinking, <laughs> this is out of the context of my heavenly father that I'm stewarding. I need to take good care yeah, of this. It's a weighty thing. Yeah. And, and I just want to say to, to a Pastor Aaron, if he's out there watching, hey, great job, man. I appreciate the way you're uh, loving my daughter with excellence. No, yeah. but you're right. I mean, this is uh, when you think about the fact that Every breath I have is is a gift from God. Yeah. All that I have have materially has been given to me from the Lord. All that I have relationally, yeah. my personality, the gifts, the talents God's given me, and as we saw in that in that parable, you know, the one who buried the talent was called a wicked yeah. a wicked servant. Uh, the ones who who took and stewarded what they've been given, the Lord said, "Hey, basically, good job. Yeah. Here's more. Let's party." Yeah. You know, there was a celebration that in God's heart for people who steward things well. So I guess that leads, you know, to the next question. Why is it so important on a practical level that we as a church family pursue an ever-increasing excellence in the way that we conduct our business here uh, as sons and daughters of the Lord? Yeah, and I gave three very practical uh, reasons why. And I'm sure there are other reasons, but I think these yeah. three summarize them pretty good. The first one is you gain credibility. And to me, that's really about leadership. Like we, there should be something in all of us to aspire to lead. And by that, I don't mean get a title. Right. By that, I mean have influence, good influence, positive. In fact, the influence Bible says we are to pursue Absolutely. a leadership. It's a, it's a godly thing, as it's as it is biblically to yeah. serve other people and to serve the Lord. Discipleship is leadership. Yeah. Right. So, but how do you gain that level of credibility? Okay, to be able to speak into other people's life. You know, again, we, we talk about, we had an awesome ordination on Sunday night with yep. Pastor uh, Jerry now. Yep. I love calling him Pastor Jerry. <laughs> yep. But we talked about how we don't throw titles upon people and and hope they will live up to that task. We we simply in, in, give the title to a person who's already doing that job. Right. So I think that's really the heart of our leadership. Our, our leadership culture is, is just do it. Lead, love, lead well, and then we'll see, let the, let the Lord promote in, in due time. That's I thought right. that's quite a great illustration with Pastor Jerry, right? But I think that's the key is if you want to aspire to leadership and love other people well, you have to function in excellence because you can't fake it. People yeah. can tell. Yeah, nobody, nobody, nobody wants to follow a leader who's faking it and faking excellence. They lose all credibility. Absolutely. But when somebody's really putting forth 100% and doing what they've been called to do well, whether it's greeting people in the parking lot, greeting people at our doors, 
ushering people, serving in children's ministry, youth ministry, life group leadership. I mean, whatever it is that you do, do it heartily under the Lord uh, with excellence, and that establishes credibility. And I think you can see that in the reputation of our leadership here. You know, like, yeah, there are times when we preach and we lead, but there are times in which we got to move tables. We got to be in the nursery. We got to clean the door, run the vacuum cleaner. It's like, doesn't matter what I'm doing. Right. I'm going to give my 100% to it. Hey, today we didn't have enough greeter. I need a greet at the door. Yeah. Pastor Aaron's out in the parking lot every Sunday. Trying, I heard this past Sunday was the craziest Sunday, even with snow. <laughs> but he's out there doing an excellent job. He's not thinking, well, I'm the pastor. Why am I doing this? Yeah, why no, am I out in the parking he's lot? giving himself 100% yeah. to the task. That's our leadership culture. Yeah. So give us credibility. And people follow. People love it. That's you know? good. What, what's the second reason that you mentioned? I talk about you gaining effectiveness. And, this and what is, do you mean by effectiveness? You know, I, I, as a father of young children, effectiveness right now is so important because I have more margin in my life because my life is so full. Yeah. I have so many things going on. Uh, if I, so just on a very practical basis, if, if I'm not in good health, if I don't eat well, I don't exercise well, I don't sleep well, I just have less energy to love my kids, love my wife, do ministry, love people. So, so what you're saying is like, if you practice excellence, it makes you more effective. Mm-hmm. And part of effectiveness means you're able to get more done yep. uh, uh, efficiently so that you have more margin. Yep. And you talked a lot about margin as it relates, for instance, to your health, to, mm-hmm. uh, your relationships, to other things. How does excellence lead to margin? Yeah, I mean, like like you mentioned, if I am more effective in all these different areas, it gives me more flexibility. I think as another word, we can use flexibility for me to pursue the thing that God has called me to do. Yeah. I mean, it, just a very base, general basis. If I'm excellent on a day-to-day, I have tasks I got to do every week. Yeah. If I work hard, I focus, I get those things done. That means I have more time to be able to do counseling, one-on-one counseling with people. That right. might not be the part of my job description on a daily basis. Right. If I slowly take my time, not focus, I don't get stuff done, then I'll have less margin for that yeah. or to spend time with my family. Or how about this? Get time before the Lord and pray and seek his face. Yeah. You know, so this is all very, very practical. And, you know, people that move in a spirit of excellence in your, in, in your business or at church or ministry, whatever, you find that they're get it done people. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, an excellent person has high effectiveness. They, they they perform well. They they move the leadership ball forward. You know whatever it is, and um, and, and those are the people that you again have credibility. Those are the people who they seem to have their life in order in the sense that they're able right. to deal with all the important areas and give each of those things the proper time. And that's I yeah. think what the margin does. So someone that's effective or excellent is not going to be a workaholic and then their marriage and family are suffering. Oh, right. They're they're able to to keep all the plates spinning, so to speak, with proper balance. So they're able to love their wife, love their children, spend time there, spend time with the Lord and be excellent at whatever it is that their job required. I found as I'm getting older, I one of my motivations for excellence and effectiveness so I can have more margin for relationships. That's good. I find that more and more. And I just don't want to be a pastor or a father in which I'm I'm work all the time. I get and I'm exhausted when I come home. I got no energy for anyone. And Trust me, there are days that's like that, absolutely yep. like that. I come home, I'm pooped. I'm, but that, I'm but that's what you said, too, at the, to go back to a point that you made that was so good, and, and we touched on it at the beginning of the podcast. But you said, you know, the whole reason that you want to do well with the talent is because you love the Lord. Yeah. You love the one who gave you the talent, and you're you're engaged in his mission. And at the end of the day, all of life 
is about relationships. It's about relationship with the Lord. Absolutely. It's about relationships with people. Yeah. And if you don't have time for a relationship with the Lord and you don't have time for a relationship with people, you're really you're, you're really prostituting the talent that God's given you. You're using it for right. yourself or for some other reason, but you're not using it for the purpose for which God gave it to you. And your life shrinks up, and next thing you know, you're like, what, why am I doing what I'm doing? And we yeah. talked about later, we lose passion, and you're just like, they have no purpose. Yeah. we got to keep relationships. Okay, so we talked about uh, credibility, effectiveness. And the last thing you said, why excellence was important, is because it says you gain faithfulness. Right. How, how do you gain faithfulness by living an excellent life? Well, the parable of talent is is our direct path to how how we can be more, how we can practice faithfulness. You know, every single one of us can practice faithfulness by whatever assignment you've been given and giving yourself 100% to it. If your job is to do the dishes, you're a dishwasher, be excellent in washing dishes. Yeah. Your job is to be a babysitter. Your job is to stay at home mom or stay at home dad or be a teacher or whatever it is, whatever little assignment you've been given. Every single one of us has been given a level of assignment. If you want to be promoted, you need to demonstrate faithfulness. That's what a good father does. I'm not going to let my son drive my car when he can't even go to the bathroom by himself. Yeah. He needs to go through different steps of faithfulness to prove himself to be promoted to, to a certain level. That's what good dads, that's how good dads think. Okay, yeah. it's so practical. God thinks the same way. Okay, well, rather, we think like our Heavenly Father. And, you know, right? you, you talked about uh, Joseph, which was a powerful example of somebody who wherever he found himself, even though, even though it was, uh, he was a victim of much injustice, but wherever he found himself placed, he always operated out of a spirit of faithfulness yeah. and excellence. And God always promoted him in whatever setting he was in. And, uh, and David's another example, I think of, you know, David spent all that time, uh, the youngest brother, uh, out in the fields with yeah. the sheep, a lot of time alone. Um, but God was preparing him to be a shepherd over his people. And so little did David know that by taking care of some stinky sheep out in the backside of the <laughs> desert, that someday he would be taking care of precious sheep, God's, God's own people. And, and the Bible says he led them with skill. Yeah. He learned that skill by being faithful in the little things day after day. Well, I got one more example for you. You know, why did Jesus not enter into his ministry until he was 30 years old? What was he doing until he was 30? Yeah. You know, and typically in, in Jewish culture, 30 years old is when you're honing your craft. And he was probably being a carpenter learning yeah. after his dad. You know, you know, right now we got people who blow up into the scene in their 20s and all these different things. Jesus waited till he was 30. I bet he was practicing excellence in, in when no one knows about him. Yeah. Right. In the hidden places. In the hidden places. And that's the key. And in faithfulness in due time, God will lift you up. So. Now, you talked about... Um, uh, I guess how how we really operate in a spirit, how we make make this practical excellence. You know, um, talk about that. You talked about passion and and some some principles that I thought were really really good. Well, talk about we need to ask for help. We need yeah. to bring passion. So in yeah. a practical Stay way, yeah. uh, first principle you said was ask for help, which is hard yeah. for us because I love what you said. You said in America. And really, in any culture, human nature, if we we think if we ask for help, that we're it's a sign of weakness. But you actually said asking for help is a sign of strength. How how is that the case? That was it was a great point. Well, I, I think my point was that when you are at the the if you're truly insecure, then you don't want to ask anyone to help you because asking people to help you is admitting that hey, I want yeah. there's in deficiency. There's in my there's, life. there's more room for excellence for yeah. you to grow, yeah. uh, and that's really what we're after. Right. Uh, but somehow I think if I need to ask you, hey, Andrew, help me with my finances because I, I'm not so good with my finances. Right. But you're really good, and you mentioned the word coach. You know, would yeah. you coach me? Yeah. 
Uh, and, and you pointed out something that's so true. In all of life, the people who are most excellent at the top of whatever their field is mm-hmm. all have coaches. Yeah. And uh, and we don't think of it that way. We think they're the best. They don't need any help. Who are you? Who are you to speak into my life? But there's a humility that comes with excellence. You cannot really be excellent until you move in a spirit of humility and you realize there's always somebody that can they can help you get better. Yeah, and and I think we don't truly understand that. I mean, even even when people come approach me, I don't know about you, but when people approach me and ask for help and say, hey, "Pastor Andrew, can you help help me with this?" Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I still feel like there's a level of resistance. They want to ask for help, but they don't really want to ask for help. They want me to maybe tell them something they want to hear, but that's not real coaching. Or bail them out. Or bail them out, right. Right, exactly. But like, like they're in a hard situation and help me fix it for them. Fix, right. But that's not excellent. But no, and generally... If you want to come and ask me for help, I'm going to go after you. I don't want to talk to your wife or your husband or, or, or your coworkers or whoever. It's because I don't know their story. Right. I know your story. I know the Lord's always trying to meet us at our place. And the coaching is saying, hey, are you willing to receive the hard truth for you to change? Because I don't care how good or how smart or how holy you are. The Lord's always looking to take you to the next level. Yeah. And that's what coaches do. Coaches themselves don't have to be the best person. Or they're perfect themselves. That's not the point. Right. The point is to have an objective outside person to come in and say, hey, these are areas you can work on that's good that requires real strength to receive that yeah. and many people will say they want it but they don't really want it yeah so i think that's the, that's yeah, the and key. i love the way the lord has designed things so that to reach our full potential we need other people absolutely you know that's why we say even holiness and 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 the work of the ministry and god putting you together on teams and putting you in a local church it's because he has created life and successful life and excellence in life to be interdependent. I need you to be my, the best version of me. Yeah. You need me to be the best version of you. And that goes for all the other key relationships. Yeah, in our life. I, I think it's a very strong principle. Like we, we know these top, top athletes who compete or perform at the toppest level. They all have coaches. Yeah. So I think that's we just realize that if, if they realize that they cannot achieve their maximum potential without a coach. Okay. Why do we think we can do any better? Yeah. So if we truly want to practice excellence in the area of our strength, why are we not asking people to help us out? That's good. And I, I was just thinking of the the ascension gifts that that, that Paul teaches on there in Ephesians four, mm-hmm. which came from Jesus. You know, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Mm-hmm. And one way we could call them spiritual coaches. Sure. God put them in the church to help train and equip and mobilize. God's people. And so really they're like life coaches in those particular areas of strength to help the body of Christ come into the fullness. So we all need coaches. Uh, we sure. all need input. Now, the other thing you talked about, which is essential, is I've noticed is people who have a, an excellent spirit are motivated by passion. There's a fire in their bellies. Yeah. And and, and talk about that a little bit. How, how do we how do we get the passion uh, to to really be excellent? Because a lot of people, I feel like they hit a lid, you know. Sure. Um, and uh, and they can't; they're stuck. You know, passion is a powerful uh, tool to get us unstuck. But how do we get passion? How do we sustain passion? Yeah, and and my premise, which I believe is true, is passion comes from the overflowing of a a powerful, great cause. I feel like you talk about all the time about when we worship, why we worship. You know, it's come before the presence of a God. You yeah. know. Uh, and, and his presence ignites passion in our uh, hearts. Yeah, you, I think you got to the why. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what's the purpose of of us all singing yeah. all these songs to start yeah. off our worship service? Are we just singing songs? No, we're 
where, where God is enthroned on the praises of his people. So what we're trying to do is build a throne for the Lord to come and sit on in the midst of our gathering. Yeah. So we're after the presence of God. Right. So when we talk about passion, passion is many times attached to our why. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and uh, and if we don't find out our why, mm-hmm. the greater why, like how can you be passionate in, in January when it's cold, helping people park their cars and greeting them uh, out, you know, for an right. hour out in the right. parking lot? What? Who wants to do that? Right. Well, there's a bigger why there that right. if you get in touch with and if you focus on, it will cause you to be able to joyfully do what you're doing because you see you see the why. Yeah. And uh, and you did such a great job of highlighting that, that we can't really be excellent if there's not that sense of passion, which is rooted in the why. Yeah. So if you're looking for passion, don't focus so much on how can I conjure these emotions or be in touch with my emotions. I I, I don't feel like being excellent. Right. Exactly. Today. Like I... Trust me, I don't feel passion many days. Yeah, Most days, I don't feel passion. I, generally, like, I grew up with emotion being kind of minimalized. Right. Um, because I get it. There's a way more emotional side. I lean more the objective side. So sometimes yeah. I look down on emotional people. Emotional people look down on objective people like myself. So that's kind of, that's where, on, on that dynamic, that's where I'm at. But again, I, I recognize how how important passion is. Okay, but I also recognize that I don't. I am not a person who can fake passion or fake emotions. I want genuine passion, genuine emotions. And where does that come from? It comes from a clarity of the reason why. I mean, I watch some certain good movies, and they they bring me to tears. And I'm I don't even know why. I'm like, why right. am I? Why am I crying right now? Like, I know this is fake. This is TV. Right. right. It's but because it's touching it, on something important it's touching on there's a cause in me it touch it touches it caused me to relate to something bigger than myself yep. and then i'm like wait a second what's it's the same principle except god is so much bigger than the movie or tv right. when you come before the presence of god there's a conjuring there's a stirring of a of real cause and real mission yep. and then next thing you know i'm fully passionate and i don't have to manufacture i don't have to pretend yep. i don't have to conjure up i'm full of passion already that is how god intends for every single one of us so so if a person is going man i just lost my my edge maybe maybe physically you're like you know i should be taking better care of my temple you know i i shouldn't i've lost my desire to read and grow and and expand my mind or my intellect or you know i i I feel like i'm just going through the motions being a husband being a wife at my job so you'd say hey Put the brakes on a little bit, tap, tap the brakes, yeah. get back to the big why in your life. Have you lost your sense of why? Yeah. And and to, for us in the body of Christ, what greater why is there than the incredible mission Jesus has invited us yep. to, to see people redeemed, people brought in the right relationship with God, people transformed, healed, set free? I mean, that the, the mission of the body of Christ transcends everything in life and provides us with the greatest why that, that we've ever known. Right. And and it can't just be an intellectual exercise. Well, I know the Bible says this, therefore I need to do no, this. Okay, therefore I need to have emotion. It doesn't work for me. I can't. I know the Bible since I was a little kid. That biblical knowledge is good, but it doesn't conjure emotions. I have to get before the presence of God. I need yeah. a person yeah, who puts arms around me, the Holy Spirit, saying, Son, we're in this together. Don't forget 
That is what gives me a passion. Not yeah. just the, the intellectual forms, the basis of my understanding. That's important. Right. But for me, I need to feel the, I need to experience the presence of God in my life for me to, again, this has revolutionized my quiet time, my time of the Lord, because it's not just an exercise anymore. It's not it's a, a checklist. No, it's a refueling station for me to be passionate for the, to yeah. do the things that I, I need to do. You know, I think it was George Mueller, the great uh, uh, man of God, a man of faith who uh, raised up orphanages all over England, fed like 10,000 orphans at a time, you know, and did it by faith. He said that the goal of his uh, uh, of his Bible reading was before he read the scriptures, um, or, or he never stopped reading the scriptures until he had his heart warmed by some truth. So the goal, again, was reading the Bible was not just to read the verses to, for a checklist, it was to encounter the person of Jesus and and to have your heart warmed. In other words, there needed to be that emotional component yeah. uh, to encountering Jesus that made it all real. Uh, so we weren't just reading words on a page. Right. And and this is so good because this is not emotionalism. Right. This is connecting with our hearts and letting God. Emotions is powerful, but we're letting God direct my emotions. I'm not trying to fake any emotions. Right. I'm letting God direct my emotions yeah. in the place it's supposed to go. I just want to share one quick story. You know, before I learn any of this, uh, I feel like God has always put a different kind of call in my life to help me see things I don't really understand. And the first sporting event I've ever been to in my whole entire life was in college. I went to a basketball game. Uh, I went to University of Richmond. It was yep. We played against North Carolina. It was actually oh, wow. awesome. UNC. Close seats. I saw Vince Carter dunk all over us. <laughs> it was just amazing seeing these guys in person, right? And But what really hit me hard was how passionate I, – I've never seen such passion on a, on a college basketball game. People have yeah. such crazy passion. And, and what came out of my heart was, why is there not that same passion in the church? I did not grow up in a church that was super exuberant, or just right. in general, in churches in general. I'm right. like, we're, we're this passionate about like a game of putting balls in the hoops. Yeah. When we come before the living God, wiser. So even back then, there was a, something in my heart says, there's something wrong with this picture. Right. That doesn't make sense in my head. And, and what know? we would do, which is incorrect, is we would say, well, that kind of passion for basketball is wrong. Right? And we, yeah. we, we, instead, of, instead of saying, wait, something's wrong with the church and our, our lack of passion and worship, we would condemn a, an expression, a legitimate expression of passion right. for something that is so unworthy, right? But the but the point is, no, people get excited about basketball. Like if you're going to be a basketball fan, yeah. be a good one. Yeah. Be but if you're, if you're going to be a lover of Jesus, be a good one, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, I think it was Jonathan Edwards, I've never forgotten this. He said he said if God created our emotions, then shouldn't our emotions be released? Yeah on the object of their greatest value and worth, which mm. is God himself. So don't be less passionate at a basketball game because it's somehow worldly. No, you should be passionate. But let's be even greater in our passion for God. Yeah, Not emotionalism, good. but genuine affection. Like, who should we cheer for more? Him. Who should yeah. we love more? Him. Who should cause our hearts to be, you know, uh, full of, of passion? Uh, it, Jesus uh, should should elicit all of that. So that's why for us at Living Stones, passion is a non-negotiable. Like, to have worship without passion would be gross. Yeah. It would be disgusting. It would be fake, artificial. So when we come together, passion should be tangible. And the more passion we have, the more desire for excellence that we should have. Absolutely. So the, so the two really go together. No, that's good. Let's talk about the last one. I thought this was so good. You, you said, stay in your lane. How, how does staying in our lane help us to, to, to create excellence? Yeah, I, I've, I've thought about this. Normally, I try to 
the, my three points, my third points is the the most uh, 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 sexy one, the most uh, right. powerful one, right? I'm like, stay right, in lane. Because you want to end on a bang. Right in the bang, right? The stay in your lane seems so like boring and nominal <laughs> and just mundane. Almost but, like a correction. Yeah. It's just like, hey, by the way, stay in your lane. But if you really think about staying in your lane, there is such deep wisdom and yeah. character to be able to run a race and not look to the left and to the right, but just look at your journey and look at Jesus before you cheering you on. And that is that is the journey. Really, I crafted that last point, and many of this based on the testimony of my wife, what she's been going, going through. I've gone through this in the past. And yeah, I, I want to encourage through. people. Check, make sure you go online and, and listen to this message. Because the, uh, Andrew ended the message with a powerful uh, video uh, of Debbie just sharing, really, her guts. I mean, it was so authentic, so real, so relatable. I mean, I can't tell you how many people were, were touched by that. But what, what was the essence of what Debbie was going after? Basically, we, we grew up and we can't help but grow up in the world that thrives on the power of comparison. That's the powers of this world. That's the, that's how this kingdom operates is, is you get your feedback, you get your energy, you get your thrill through being better, through being better, which is totally opposite from the kingdom of God, which talks about your individual talents. So, so what God wants to do is he wants to detox us from that, but it's a very painful process because we've been, that's, that's the way we've been conditioned, conditioned that whole life. So God takes us through these special, before he uses us for his purpose, because he, because we got to operate on the new principle. God has to take us through the special season, which we are detoxing, which we, we are put into tasks that might seem menial or, or uh, beneath us right. that we feel like. Right. And what God's really trying to do is saying, it's not about the task. It's about my relationship with you. Like, if you really love me, if you have the right uh, affirmation, right desires in your heart, you could be doing the most mundane but in the church things. we deal with this all the time all the time yeah because you know a lot of people will come to living so they'll say well hey i want you to know at my last church i was <laughs> yeah, at yeah. i did this this and this and we always are like oh man that's great to know it really yeah. it really is yeah, we want to know that, where, right? how people are gifted and all that but the, there's a subtlety isn't there because many times we base our worth on what we do and how we perform and what titles we had yeah. and, and we taught this class the knowledge that we had and it's interesting, many times the Lord has to unplug us from what we do to simply who we are, yeah. from doing to being. And we're not comfortable with just being a daughter or being a son, because we seem like that's not that important. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like you said, we have to literally be detoxed. And so Debbie was talking about the challenge of raising now three children and, and capacity and feeling overwhelmed and, and feeling like God's you know, pulling her backwards instead of launching her forward and how she's had to walk through all that. And I yeah. think many mothers have had to experience those ten- tension well, points. Well, yeah, and I think for mothers and dads too, I mean, it, that comparison game, not that we have that culture, we don't have a culture comparison game, but but the devil comes in and just say, well, you know, they they can do it. They are able to balance right. a bunch of kids and do ministry at the same time. And, and Debbie's been hit with these physical conditions that's beyond her control. And for me, for a while, I'm like, hey, babe, come and suck it up and get, get things done. You know, like, come on. She has some health issues. Health issues. And um, then eventually I realized, no, this was the Lord putting, I recognize, because I've been through it. Yeah. I recognize her husband, the Lord's putting a hold on. And when the Lord puts a hold on, no force in this world can let you advance. And that's the thing is, don't oppose the Lord. Let him do what he's doing. You got to realize when God's moving and not not attack from the enemy, God is doing something in her heart. So, sometimes the the Lord's best work is done in our seasons of brokenness, weakness, yeah. 
you know, that's when we that's when we we see his strength manifested most. That's when he has our attention as well. Absolutely. Not when we're on the mountaintop feeling like you know we got it all. We're we're excellent. We're 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 successful. No. But it's in those times of loneliness, brokenness, weakness when when sometimes we're saying, Lord, where are you and what are you doing? That's really when God's detoxing our hearts and showing us some of the most profound truths that we never would have seen. On the mountaintop. And and I, I shared this on Sunday. I said, you know, the highlight reel, when you look at the ESPN highlight reel is when they scored the touchdown, when right. they dumped the ball. The highlight reel for Christian life should not be when everything's going great and you're the pastor of a big church or you're preaching a great sermon. That's not the highlight reel. The highlight reel is when you're broken, you're utterly, you know it's not about you. You realize that you are, you are just a just a man inside. You're just you're broken. You come before God yeah. and you say, "God, change me. I, I can't do anything." Yeah. That should be the highlight reel we show other people, you know, because that's the real stuff that happens in Christian life, and we try yeah. to pretend it's not there. Yeah, that's the stuff that's truly what we need. There's no, uh, you know, the the modern world would make the highlight reel for Jesus the empty tomb, but there would right. be no empty tomb if there wasn't a cross. No. and and we we don't like to look at the cross as a highlight reel. It's it's almost like the the low light reel, you know. Uh, we talk about hey, it's Friday, it's, it's Good Friday. But you know what? Uh, Sunday is coming, resurrection. But there is no resurrection without the cross. They go hand in hand, and right. it's the same with our lives. And you know, we are talking about this when when you get freed from the the spirit of comparison. You know, like, oh, I got two talents. Well, how many do you have? Right. Oh, you have five. How come you have five? Right. What do yours look like? Uh, you know, I mean, all this stuff. It's like, no, God made you unique. And we've talked about this before. You're unique in your personality, your gifting, uh, your your physical yeah. makeup, your DNA, uh, the talents God's given you. There's, there's no Andrew Meng anywhere in the world. There never will be. You're, you're absolutely one-of-a-kind masterpiece. And so am I, and so are all of you who might be tuning in today and watching. There is no one like you. You're a masterpiece. You're the Lord's unique son and daughter. That's why you're his favorite, because there's no one to compare you to. Uh, you're his favorite. I'm his favorite. You're his favorite. Yeah. And so if we focus on maxing out with passion and with excellence who we are, then I'm free to enjoy you. Oh, I don't, I'm not threatened by you. I applaud you. When you succeed, I go, yeah, I'm your biggest cheerleader. And you're my biggest cheerleader because... I don't have, you know, when I sit, for instance, and I watch you preach, I don't want you to preach like me. I enjoy you preaching like you. I love the gift mix God has. I love the insight God gives you. I love the way you share what you share. And the beauty is we could fill that pulpit with 100 other people, and each one would be absolutely unique. Yeah. And so you don't have to compare people and put people in a cookie-cutter approach. You just are able to celebrate the gift mix. And so whether, and preaching is just one example, but whether it's leading worship or, or just loving people or leading your life group, you know, you, every, we could look at our life group leaders. They're not all the same. No. They're all unique and they're all special and they're all beautiful. And, and it's not like, oh, you leave a big life group. You must be a better life group leader. It's not, everyone's got their level of talent and gifting. That's yeah. not how we roll here. We don't compare like that. So man, stay, when we say stay in your lane, that, and I love what you said, it's like putting the, the, the blinders on yeah. the horse. Yeah. Uh, run the race, finish strong, to get your keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher. And if we keep our eyes on Jesus, our passion is where it needs to be, our focus is where it needs to be, uh, and uh, and and we really take who we are and we watch the Lord maximize it, Amen. which is really what excellence is about. So we just want to encourage you have a vision for ever increasing excellence. And the beauty of this, as we've highlighted many many times, is it's not just in this life. We're going to go from glory to glory to glory 
from now through eternity. So the process of excellence is going to be with us forever. So we might as well get used to how this looks, you know, right now. Absolutely. A final word from your heart, uh, anybody who might be watching today on this whole area I, of excellence. I just want to encourage you to find one area that um, you really feel like the Lord wants to use that area to promote you. Really is an opportunity for promotion, but, but it's an area you have neglected because you just feel like it's not really worth your time. That's good. Um, I think there, God wants to promote. I mean, as a good father, he wants to promote every single one of us. So have the eyes. Ask the Lord, what area do I need to demonstrate more excellence in? You know, okay. it could be something. It's probably something that no one would notice except for you yeah. or maybe your wife. You know, being excellent in pursuing your wife, your kids. Yeah. I mean, our kids and our families are the people we take for granted the first, right? Yep. If we can practice excellent pursuit of those, of those people who are closest to us, then the Lord will promote us and bring passion and bring excellence and bring effectiveness and yep. ask people for help. Go to parenting class, marriage class. Yeah, that's um, what I was going to highlight. You know, you talked about coaching. You know, the local church is full of amazing coaches. Um Coaching and parenting, coaching and marriage, coaching in life, helping you connect relationally, discipleship, um, inner healing, uh, helping you get free from addictions and things that have dominated your life so that you can really be excellent. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So get involved, get plugged in, humble yourselves, come and realize you always got something to learn from everyone. Everybody's got something to teach us. So have that posture of humility. Uh, and I just want to uh, pray for you as we close here today, uh, just for renewed passion. And wouldn't that be a great thing to receive? Let's just get our eyes back on Jesus. Let's spend time in his presence. Let's realize that's why we talk about devotional life. And, you know, you talked about spending your day getting refocused on who you are and the why of your life. Yeah. Um, if Because it's all about relationship. It really is all about your walk with the Lord and maximizing your life. So, Father, thank you for everybody that's watching. God, we want to be excellent. So we ask you, Lord, to awaken our hearts. Get us back to you. Get us back to the passion uh, that we have for you, the gratitude in our hearts for all the you've done for us and the incredible privilege we have of locking arms with you in this great assignment of seeing planet earth and the people on this planet coming to know you being restored into right relationship with you god and so father let that passion burn within us and may it motivate us to, to be the best version of us we can possibly be. Lord, use us for your glory. Maximize our gifts. Uh, may we really move in a spirit of increasing excellence, not only now, but all through our days on planet Earth. We love you, Lord, and we ask a blessing now on everybody that's watching in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Hey, last thing I would say is just we so appreciate your feedback. If you can like the podcast, share the podcast with your friends, it helps us with just with exposure and getting the word out there. Uh, and our goal, again, is just to help people. So please give us feedback because we're pursuing excellence and we need you uh, to help us with that journey as well. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until we meet again, uh, we look forward to pursuing excellence together in, in Jesus Christ. Have a great week. Thank you.